0: Welcome back to the Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. This month, we're discussing building the federal CIO resume, keys to digital government governance. Here's your moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for listening. Our guests today are Mark Foreman, the Global Head of Public Sector at Unisys, Sean Kingsbury, VP of Digital Government and Citizen Services at Unisys, and Peter O'Donoghue. Vice President of Application Services at Unisys Federal. It's good to have you all here, gentlemen, and today we're going to explore governance and the role of the CIO, and we're not going to confine it just to federal, but also state, local, and some of the international best practices. And Mark, why don't we start with you with how that role has really evolved over the past couple of decades?
1: Thanks, Tom. You know, when we did the Cleaner-Cone Act back in, in the 90s, the CIO was seen as the key strategist and business transformation leader. There was a strong feel across governments around the world that we needed somebody who understood how to bring modern technology into government. The government was sitting on a lot lot of outdated technology, and the CIO role was meant to do that. It was more of a business transformation role. Went through a period probably starting about 2008 till about 2014 or 15, where the CIO role was more of a, a technology guru and uh, an infrastructure risk management guru. And, and the role was take out cost, make sure that uh, the security and other cyber risks were being managed. And now we're in the digital transformation or digital economy era. And so the role shifted. I, I think there are four roles that a CIO today has to have control over. First is they've got to be an organizational steward. Most governments are going to shared services. That shared services is integrating with a hybrid cloud. And it means pulling together bits and pieces across the organization. Uh, You look at laws like in the state of New York and Fatara for the federal government, and it's very clear that there's a stewardship role for the CIO. And they tend to also bring in a controller role. They control the budget. They control the technology. They're supposed to manage risk. Uh, A third role is a strategist and evangelist. They should have a vision of the future. They should be able to give the, the organizational modernization vision and work with the secretary and the business leaders. And then the final role is still a technologist, especially for infrastructure risk management, taking out cost, uh, modernizing technology, making sure cybersecurity is being taken care of. Those are the four roles I see today.
0: And, Sean, do you feel that uh, maybe that technologist role can be bolstered for the CIO by some of the new positions that have come in, like chief technology officer, we see that at all levels, and even chief data officer, which we're seeing uh, throughout the government federally and I think at some of the big states too.
2: Almost look at it as it now it's is building the team, right? Because there, it's not a one person that drives these outcomes. It's really understanding the the mix of, of players that you need to meet today's challenges. Um when you look at the uh, Chief Technology Officer, that's the tech role that Mark just talked about, right? Because you still have to understand um, how what 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 approaches do you have to leverage technology to meet um, the challenges of the digital world that we're in today. Um, when you look at data, it's it's all about data today and being able to gain insight from it. But you know, today, that's actually secondary because we have to focus on that business side, business, value, outcomes, citizen services, and how to actually get benefit realization in play to the people that need it most. And Peter, talking about applications and
0: data, it used to be that applications produced your data in structured formats. Now agencies take in data from all over, including their own applications, but from many other structured and unstructured sources, some they own, some they don't own. And so the ingestion of all this data gives rise to new applications. And that's kind of how digital services work. So, how has that affected the role? Do you think?
3: Well, I, th- I think as as Sean as Sean uh, referenced, I mean, I think that role of a chief data officer. Um, I mean, that really um, the, the key focus of that has to help. There, there really does need to be uh, almost a return to some of the old things that we we seem to have forgotten, like enterprise architecture. So, being able to catalog uh, the data uh, where it comes from, what the what the um, the, the lineage is. The quality of the data, uh, understanding where it persists, understanding you know ownership rights of it, uh, understanding how data exchange is exchanged with partners, understanding how it's going to be kept secure. I think that's that's a really important role. Um, and actually, I think without that type of governance, it's really it's really possible. And there's a lot of likelihood that data is is you know on the flip side, it's not going to be secured well. Uh, but from a from a kind of an you know an opportunity perspective, uh, the ability to, to to, to aggregate that data and actually run analytics to be able to draw conclusions out of it is is, is also lost as well. And actually we see in our portfolio of, of uh, customers, you know, we see as folks move to the cloud, as people want to adopt open source, uh, we see that the opportunities actually to be able to harness your data is is pretty fantastic. Uh, we're seeing folks using data that's existed in organizations for 15, 20 years, and suddenly it's been repurposed to be able to find instances of fraud um, or to be able to, you know, to, to manage... Um, risk around you know person uh, for some of our more secure customers as well. So we, we, th- we think, uh, as, as Sean you know, correctly points out, that the role of a chief data officer is fantastically important.
0: So even in this technologist role of the CIO, in many ways that comes under the organizational stewardship when you look at the data assets, correct?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right, Tom. The, the, uh, the key elements of uh, difference in technology today versus 10 or 15 years ago relate to how you repurpose data into new workflows, how you utilize that to make decisions that improve the citizen experience. And the policy issues day-to-day that affect citizens, like counterterrorism, really require the people at that point of service, generally law enforcement officers or border security officers, to have a, a much more robust picture so they can make better decisions. And that's data. That's the tools to analyze and quickly extract insights from that data.
0: Now, at the federal level, we have the Fatara law, which superseded Klinger-Cohen, which superseded something before that. Do you think the federal government is the leader in this, or are there models at the state, local, or possibly international levels, uh, Sean, that might, uh, might be something that the federal government is catching up to?
2: You know, it's kind of interesting that you asked that question. I, I think it's a, it's a mix, right? Because in some ways, the federal government's implementation of focusing on business and um, empowering um, the technology leaders to be to sit at the the business table uh, it's it's progressive. But at the same time, when you start to look globally, you're seeing that you're seeing lots of policies being put in play that are getting progression in other ways. Right, so to me, I, I think it's important to, to understand that there's a lot. There's an acceptance of the need to focus on digital transformation today, um, whether it be state, local, or global. Um, and I think, that, like I said, and it's a mix, right? But it's a, but something it's something interesting. And as you start to peel that onion, when you when you look at to really gain the the the, the outcomes. Um, from leveraging, the, uh, really exploring and, and I'm going to say exploiting the digital areas, being able to break down some of the boundaries, right? Because this is something that happens, rather it be um, local, right? fed, state, local or global is, you know, from a governance perspective, how do you now begin to, Get moved to the shared services environment and be able to share openly, not just within a department, agency, or between states or between um, uh, lines of business to explore. So governance is key, but it's happening globally. Mark,
1: yeah, I, I think one of the things that has become clear to me in my global role at Unisys, state governments are furthest along. It doesn't matter whether you're looking at a state in in Australia, and the U.S., a province in Canada. The reason, I think, is because the complexity at the federal level of organizational relationships, you can't legislate. There are personal relationships, there are business processes, there are trust relationships. State government is still complex, but it's manageable. And a big part of the government uh, approach here that we're seeing succeed and you see this widely again internationally at the state level is the movement to policy clusters and in these policy clusters you have basically the CIOs coming together and their applications being brought together where you generally have similar or overlapping data sets. It makes collaboration easier, it makes integration easier and some governments using four policy clusters, some six and at that point the relationships and the orchestration get simplified.
0: And Peter, how does that affect who owns and controls the data, how it's managed, and also the applications? Because these are very real assets that the program people, maybe even at the state level, think they they might own. The federal agency involved might think it owns it, but everybody's using it.
3: Well, the implications, I mean, I think going back to the, the role of chief data officer and also the, uh, the security roles, I mean, I, I think uh, understanding... Uh, the the sources of the data and actually the, the decision rights over top of the data is actually critical to what this chief data officer role is, is actually taking on. Um, actually, I think, um, you know, this has always been, um, you know, like my observations in terms of services oriented in an architecture, say, 10, 15 years ago. One of the the, the weakest kind of uh, links related to the implementation of, of SOA uh, across multiple departments here in the U.S. and the federal context is has, has governance works really well within one organization, but well, when it comes to defining rights and decision rights over top of the the same application services or even the same data services across multiple organizations, I, I actually have personally actually had you know systems not perform particularly well just because the decision rights and actually the relationships between organizations was uh, was was it was, it, was, it, was it kind of almost a step too far for so and actually I think to Mark's point, um, you know the the there there really is. Um, a lot of complexity and almost a lot of different cultures actually amongst the different agencies within the U.S. that, that really are kind of a headwind uh, for, for effective governance, which actually is going to map into or is going to actually have a, a knock-on effect related to data rights, data sharing, and actually application sharing.
0: Because we saw this come into play in the recent flooding in Texas, where there are Internet of Things sensors, flood sensors that are state assets that generated data. You've got drone surveillance, which is another form of data, and you've got many federal and many state and even many local agencies all converging on the same thing, which was, you know, the flooding disaster recovery. So that seems to be a good test bed for how this is all working.
1: Right. Uh, uh, I, I think definitely that um, th- this is going to be a uh, massive recovery effort. You know, most major disasters, it seems like the response effort lasts about a, a week and then things stabilize this is beyond that Uh, the recovery effort then generally lasts for five to ten years and this is probably closer to ten years Uh, you know I think about the special entities that were set up for Katrina and and of course Sean was involved when the recovery board became the entity overseeing Sandy Um, it's gonna need I believe that organizational setup but you're right the data that's available now coming from multiple sources should facilitate a lot of the critical path, which is forming the projects for recovery, prioritizing them, and figuring out how much to spend on them. It's going to be a multi-billion dollar effort.
0: And a good opportunity to think about how you plan ahead of time for these types of contingencies where you know there's going to be interagency operations.
3: In my mind, um, in my mind, the, the the technology has moved so much that uh, today, it's a it's a very it's a much it's a much simpler thing to be able to 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 have like virtual pockets of data. So actually, you can you can draw data from from multiple different sources, and actually, you know, we've taken a lot of you know really great technology from say Silicon Valley, um, particularly around the use of integration technology to be able to to pull together like uh, you know longitudinal records, so we actually can make better decisions. The trick, though, um, is the level of governance and control and process kind of interaction between different entities, both within the federal context and also between federal and state. And actually, that's, that's what the blocker is right now, I would say.
0: Our guests today are Peter O'Donoghue, Vice President of Application Services at Unisys Federal, Sean Kingsbury, Vice President of Digital Government and Citizen Services at Unisys, and Mark Foreman, the Global Head of Public Sector at Unisys. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This is Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. This month, we're discussing Building the Federal CIO Resume, keys to Digital Government and Governance, on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and FederalNewsRadio.com. Unisys is proud to be enhancing citizens' lives, supporting the federal government by providing a wide range of technology services, including cybersecurity capabilities in critical areas such as wargaming, micro-segmentation, managed security, physical security, cloud, biometrics, analytics, and more. Unisys understands the world has changed and people's security concerns have changed. Learn more about Unisys' suite of security services and digital government transformation tools at unisys.com. Welcome back to the Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. Today, we're discussing Building the Federal CIO Resume, Keys to Digital Government Governance. The guests today are Mark Foreman, Global Head of Public Sector at Unisys, Sean Kingsbury, Vice President of Digital Government and Citizen Services at Unisys, and Peter O'Donohue, Vice President of Application Services at Unisys Federal, and I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And, Sean, I want to get back to something that we discussed in the prior segment, and that is how, in the case of Sandy there were a lot of lessons learned with respect to IT governance and how that was all set up and of course you were at the center of that. Review for us how that worked.
2: Well, you know, it's kind of, when you we always say where there's risk there's opportunity, there's opportunity, there's innovation. And when you look at um, what, you know, the, the Hurricane Sandy situation where um, we had um, we had grant money that was put in play to recover, right? Recover and, and respond To this disaster. And now the challenge was uh, we needed to be able to see where the money was going. We needed to make sure that we could see the results of the the funds that were hitting the ground and to make sure people were being taken care of. Uh, So when you look at what that meant, so we broke down the walls between uh, states and agencies to be able to show, visualize the information and ensure that citizens can gain insight from that information. So now when you look at what that meant, the walls were broken down. Data was collected between agencies and between states uh, without barriers. And the outcome of that was awesome, right? I mean, we could actually see and gain insight without the challenges. And and it's similar to um, you know, the healthcare exchange, as an example, similar, right? Where broke down the walls for a specific purpose and the outcome was phenomenal. Now, the challenge is, is how do you now turn that into a norm, right? Whenever there is risk, whenever there's a fire, people pay attention, and then a lot of the bureaucracy gets pushed aside. Um, But, you know, when there is a risk, and, you know, I'm going to say we do the right things, which is great, but now how do we turn that into a norm? I think that's something we need to look at moving forward.
0: Yeah, Mark, are we always doomed to having, requiring a crisis for the government to get organized and establish those governance structures under that type of pressure?
1: Well, the research says yes. Uh, and it's not just government. It's in the commercial world as well. Um, a cr- crisis occurs because maybe you, the CIO, didn't have the government. You you weren't focusing on the things you needed to focus on. I think generally the, the studies show yeah, you, you were maybe focused on them, but you didn't push hard enough the organizational dynamics, or you weren't given the authority. And so the crisis occurs, and the choice for the CIO now is to take control as that crisis occurs. It's inevitable every CIO during the course of any two-year period is going to have some type of crisis. You know, I'd say one other uh, point uh, about that. Um, As we talk about the role of the CIO in in, in governance and the shift from more of a technology controller focus to strategists, evangelists, and understanding business transformation, it's really important for CIO to look at the business implications of the technology That they're overseeing. So uh, I was in a conversation even last week with a a state government CIO uh, where this came up. It's not, for example, the availability of the computer asset or what the network or the system say your uptime is. It's are the data and the applications available to be used when that crisis occurs? You know, when a a Sandy. Uh, uh, disaster hits or uh, a Harvey, or when there's an economic crisis, are the social services systems there? So the CIO has to be able to shift to these measures of success. And that's tightly coupled with, are you a victim of the crisis or can you use the crisis to improve your governance?
0: And Peter, when it comes to governance, you have rules, you have relationships uh, among agencies and among individuals, you have access rights. A lot of things that can be expressed in technology are, in fact, they expressed in technology. Can you automate and speed up some of the establishment of the right governance and sharing processes short of having an emergency and everybody scrambling to get it done?
3: Well, I, I think uh, actually to, to Mark and John's point, um, I, I do think that, um, you know, the, what is the old adage? like? Never waste a good crisis. And actually these crises actually do shine a, a bit of a click light on processes and, and, and how organizations actually work with each other. Um, I think the, the, the larger, you know, are there technologies that can help implement governance and governance policies? Absolutely, there are. I find, though, that, um, you know, kind of wiring up technologies without kind of recognizing that that we're not really in Kansas anymore is probably, probably the bigger thing, right? It, it, I think we talked about the role of the CIO um, in the start of the first segment. Um, I mean, I, I, I take a slightly different perspective, but I think it's complementary, which is I think the role of the CIO has always been – around providing great and secure services that align with the mission. I think there have been times where that, that role has been kind of um, neglected, and I think has kind of been a bit adrift, and I think Vitara actually, I think has done a good job actually bringing that role um, back into the center, into, in, into, you know, under the, under the spotlight and actually requiring and, rec- and recognizing the importance of that role to collaborate effectively as an equal partner within different agencies. I think one of the things that's really important, though, is, is, is I talked about we're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, what, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is that um, you know, cyber itself is actually take, takes on a lot more complexity as we have to try and secure you know, mobile devices. We try to secure cloud resources as we try to secure uh, different types of applications. Actually, applications themselves are designed and built and delivered is actually very different today than it was, say, 10 years ago. And We're seeing some CIOs do really well with that. But we're also seeing some CIOs actually really struggling with it. And, and actually, Agile at scale is a really difficult problem to try and solve. Um, how do I do IT operations in a, in a hybrid context? So how do I kind of rethink, you know, that great data center, a set of data centers that have successfully implemented ITIL over top of? How do I kind of, how do I become like a buyer and negotiate, say, services from Amazon and Salesforce and from Azure? And how, I, how do I stitch them together so I've got a common set of processes I got a, a single pane of glass, so I understand the operational context from, you know, is the system up and running? And also, are we under attack from a cyber perspective? So I, I believe that that recognizing that the world has actually changed, and actually the role of the CIO uh, needs to be the one that actually empowers the delivery of these services, whether or not it's application development, whether or not it's hybrid cloud. Uh, that's actually, I think, that the key, is is recognizing that there's been a, a huge shift in how IT is consumed and delivered. Um, and actually, we would recommend. I mean, I think just generally speaking, there are a lot of commercial best practices um, that have shown to to, to to add a lot of value. Actually, one one is around. Um, there's there's an evolution of ITIL called uh, SIAM Service Integration and Management that we're seeing some of the commercial customers actually really latching onto. And actually, the key of that is is recognize that the CIO is no longer the master of, of their own destiny. Which is, I have two data centers, and I know everything that's going on in those data centers. It recognizes that that you have a portfolio of services that you need to manage. You need to have the same level of transparency, the same level, level of governance, and same processes so that if something goes bump in the night, I know about it and I can react to it whether or not that's running in a, in a hyper-cloud partner or it's running in my own data center. And it's only actually when you take when you have that type of view are you able to actually wire up the necessary technology components to be able to, to support those processes. So I think it's actually the big mind shift. And I think our general observation is is pulling those best practices from commercial and actually seed those as best practices across federal government, at least as accelerators, so folks can don't have to, to reinvent the wheel all the time.
0: Now, we've been talking about this in the context of disasters and emergencies, but what about just the day-to-day delivery of, say, social services, where you've got a multi-governmental issue happening, where delivery of health care and so on is, is multiple levels of government? and maybe, you know, in agriculture, also in environmental protection, again, multiple interleaving levels of government. How can all of this apply when when there's not an emergency? Mark? We
1: see the biggest improvement uh, in state government around uh, use of shared services and and the governance governance model evolving uh, is largely driven by taking out cost from operations and support so that you can modernize. And the, the focus on modernization or improvement in the business of the government, at the state government, is usually focused on a couple of, of agencies, the social services agencies and law enforcement
0: agencies. And then they get to motor vehicles if you're lucky. Right. Um, and motor
1: vehicles is important because the citizen facing, the identity aspect of it. And sure. so we do see a lot of improvement and modernization in, in motor vehicles. But from the mission standpoint, uh, law enforcement and, and safety is very important. We saw that in our UNICE Security Index survey that most people uh, are, uh, in most of the countries around the world, feeling less secure. And social services in that, that safety net, there's just, uh, um, in the U.S., the opioid issue is, it turns out, driving a lot of child welfare and foster care needs uh, to the crisis proportion in many states. Okay, so, so what are the states doing? And this is global. Uh, they're leveraging shared services in the administrative services arena, HR, personnel, um, uh, financial management, procurement, and they're cutting their teeth on those because the, the internal politics of cutting the cost and improving quality of service is an easy sell in administrative services like that. And then they move on to the mission areas. The interesting thing that we see, and and my advice to any CIO, if you have to overcome that internal politics, is the workplace productivity services. That integration of your uh, cell phone, smartphone device and, and tablets and your workspace, the basic office productivity suite with your mission applications and making that for the digital worker. You pick up lots of kudos from the employees around the agencies across government, so that's kind of the pattern: administrative services, workplace productivity, social services, and law enforcement.
0: Sean,
2: in coupling with that, you 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 also see, um, I'm going to say, a, a bottom up, as well, meaning um, there's a there's this need to 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 get to the shared services uh, environment to convert from a CapEx to an OpEx model. And and to do that, there's this goal of uh, moving from uh, data centers from how they're currently managed today to moving them to a a shared services approach to be able to move up the stack to business applications and services. But the interesting thing that uh, we see is there's coupling going on. When to get to that point, there's a coupling of uh, physical infrastructure to virtual infrastructure. To identity, to security, to understanding, again, aligning back to you can't make these types of progressions without understanding what is your strategy, what is your objectives, and what are the goals, and where you're going to understand where these workflows should actually end up, right? And now you have opportunities for quick wins, right, meaning where you can move um, um, workloads to, let's say, public cloud in a secure way, Um, private cloud, where it makes sense. As, as well as refactoring, but what happens now, you begin to connect the dots across the, the team that we talked about before, right? There's this team now, chief data officer, uh, chief technology officer, CIO, and, and, the, and this business role uh, that Mark just talked about to, that, uh, to ensure that, one, you can actually deliver services the way they need to be delivered today, but in, there's another point there in time. Meaning, you can't take a long time. The goal is to get benefit realization as quickly as possible.
0: And a final question: Can you connect the dot one more link to transparency, so that auditors and the public can get a pretty clear idea of what is going on in the government's governments, I should say, that they're paying
2: for? From a transparency perspective, as you know, we we proved that this could be done with the recovery with the with the Recovery Act, right, where we had to um, make information available and transparent and accessible to the country. Um, But the interesting thing is that got dotted, lined into um, Hurricane Sandy, and I think we're going to see the same thing with Hurricane Harvey. But something else that we see across um, state government is every state has a transparency initiative to increase confidence in the government, um, to make government information accessible, and to increase engagement. So it's happening today. It's just incremental.
0: Great discussion. I think we're going to close on that note, and I want to thank today's guests. That was Sean Kingsbury, Vice President of Digital Government and Citizen Services at Unisys. We also heard from Mark Foreman, Global Head of Public Sector at Unisys, and Peter O'Donoghue, Vice President of Application Services at Unisys Federal. I'm Tom Temin, federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Government IT Series, sponsored by Unisys on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com slash unisys.